Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the word of the Lord. So good morning. Okay, before uh, we get started this morning, um, uh, I, I wonder if we could all pray. Melton, you're, you have uh, surgery this week, right? Two knees being replaced? Yeah. So we just take a second to pray for, pray for Melton. Um, put, put, extend your hands to him. Yeah. Father, thanks for our brother Melton, um, the love that he brings, uh, the gift that he is to all of us. And as he goes through the surgery this week, Father, would you give uh, the doctors great skill? And we pray that his uh, recovery would be swift. Put your hand on him, um, for, uh, for not just for his family, but for all of us. But thank you for him, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so uh, you might just want to shout out your favorite foods that we could bring over to you. Because <laughs> if not, you're going to get whatever, right? Well, um, hey, have you ever have you ever met somebody that's not not so much famous, but is just an expert, like a, a, a high level expert in something? Those are the people that are fascinating to me. Let me. I want to show you a few pictures in my life. I only have a few people that I've met that I really were excited about. So my the first one. <laughs> First one is this. This is this is 14-year-old me with John Wooden. Arguably, look at the the, the greatest basketball coach who do ever uh, ever coach, right? And um, and he looked at me. I'm not kidding. He said, "Sit up straight, young man." And I sat up straight, right? Uh, so I used to go to John Wooden basketball camp, right? The second one. Uh, second person I met that I thought was greatness, uh, and sorry, this has to be the same thing because this is the world I lived in. If we go to the next one, this is me and Michael Jordan and my best friend, Doug. And see, if you notice here, Michael Jordan's hand is on my shoulder. Um, we spent a week at uh, one of his camps when I was uh, back in 2007, yeah. And that's my friend, and uh, he doesn't have any hair anymore, so I think that's funny. But, uh, yeah, but, but these are people, like, if they said something, you did it. Like, you would not question them. I question everybody. I'm skeptical, right? But I question, you know, but there are people that if you got to meet them, if they said something to you, and I've had times in my life where I've sought out advice from people, and whatever they said, I did, even career changing, right? There's another person, I don't know if you know this, that's actually in our midst, Right here, let me show you this. This is right here, most handsome man in the world. 
right? Patrick Lynn, I don't know if you know this, but staying on that same theme, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick didn't hire Jeremy Lynn, and therefore Jeremy Lynn went into the NBA and we had Linsania, uh, <laughs> <Linsania>, right? <laughs> if you would have hired him, we would have never got that, right? But I heard you actually copyrighted the name Linsanity, uh, so that was the thing. So this way, well, well, in all that to be said, let me tell you the one person, the only time I've ever asked somebody, could I have a picture with you? And I know you guys are going to be blown away. This, the next, next person, right here, this, this man right here. Does anybody know who he is? Huh? <laughs> Probably not. Right? So how many of you, anybody here like to shop at Target? Any, any Target fans, right? So if you like Target stores, that's because of this man. His name's Ron Johnson. Right? So in retail, this, this fan's here. Uh, anybody ever been to the Apple stores? So when Apple said, we need to set up retail stores, they went to Ron Johnson, and he's the one who set up all the Apple retail stores. It was the only time I've ever gone to somebody, and was sitting at a Chipotle in downtown Palo Alto, and he walked in, and I'm like, oh, that's Ron Johnson. Right? If Ron Johnson said anything to me at that time about retail, and I had followed like retail businesses for years, I would believe it, and I'm just action-packed with questions for him. Now, the other cool thing about Ron Johnson I know is actually he's a follower of Jesus also, right? So he's done a number of things. But you come down to people that actually have authority to say something, right? We have a, we have a society now of, full of people that are famous for being famous, right? But who has authority within your life? Who are the people that you listen to almost in a way that says, I will question my gut, my heart, if they say something different from me? Today we want to talk about the, this place in the story of Jesus coming and that Jesus is the king and that he has all authority. Who's the one person that you listen to, not just to take a little bit of advice from, but you say, whatever you say, I will do. We're going to talk about this this morning. As we, uh, um, as we talked about last week in our review, we talked about Jesus as the Messiah. And Jesus comes down from earth, enters into a human body, Right? Lays down his power and comes in love and is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies of Scripture. And yet, he was expectate, he was different than everybody expected the Messiah to be. We thought you'd come in power. He goes, No, I laid my power down. Now, how does Jesus do all of his miracles? Well, the one thing that Jesus shows us, and even being Messiah, was that he was able, he had, because he was perfect God, he had, he had no break in his relationship with God. So this is why we see Jesus going off in the morning to pray, to spend time with God. Every miracle that Jesus does, it's the Father doing it. Jesus is in, in submission to the Father, right? He feeds the 5,000, he prays, and then it happens. 
So it's not Jesus walking around with power, you know. It's not like, a, like on Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, right? It's not like in the apocryphal writings where Jesus is a baby and he's playing with mud and he blows birds, you know, f- you know forms them out of clay and blows birds into existence. It's like, oh, I don't even know I had power, right? That's not actually the biblical story in the way that it works. It's that Jesus, as a, fo- as a man, shows us how to have a relationship with the Father in perfect faith and what that can be like when nothing is blocking it. And that's the agony for him of the cross. It's not just the physical thing that would happen to him, which I'm sure he did not want to go through. But more importantly, it's please, I don't want to break the perfect relationship and communion that he has with the Father. So Jesus coming as Messiah, everything he does, he's doing in relationship with, with the Father. And it's the same relationship that we have with the Father. Today we talk about Jesus is the promised king. He comes as the king, no well, no well, born is the king of Israel. And we see in the, we see in the scriptures that, uh, that were just read, that as the angel comes to Mary, he's very specific. He says about Jesus, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So not only he says that he will also, he will be God, the son of the most high. The next thing that is said about Jesus is that he will be the king, the fulfillment of all those scriptures. And remember when, when we read scripture, God sees he's outside of time and space. He sees the end from the beginning. And so this is why... When you read scripture, sometimes things are peppered throughout all of scripture and people are making these connections. Even the story here, the story is told in this way to make the connection. By the way, Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the king. All right. So this is the, uh, the model uh, the model for us. We also see in scripture sometimes things that we don't really many times do series on. Um, even as Lynn was talking about annoying people on staff, which, you know, you, 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 we know. I knew it. Um, you have the genealogies. Why would they, why are these genealogies in here? I mean, no one ever, have you ever, like, I haven't, I'm a pastor. This is what I do. I actually like this, right? <laughs> and we never go, oh, could we do another series on the genealogies, right? But they are very specific. God goes, this has to be in here. The story is connected. Everything has to match. And so Jesus is born. They go, let me go through this genealogy. We're going to... We're going to bring Jesus all the way back to David because he is the fulfillment of everything that was promised. Even in the future, they go, Jesus is going to reign in the future. Why? Because everything that was promised has not been fulfilled. And so when we look at that, this is a, um, you know, we connected all the way back to David, all the way back to Abraham. So those promises in scripture are fulfilled. And it was incredibly important when they talked about Jesus being the king that he's coming in this way, that the people writing scripture, 
that they said, look, this, we need to make sure that these are connected. Scripture is eternal. It speaks. It's the one thing that God uses. If God was going to say anything to you and I, he's already said it. He would just amplify almost everything he would say through Scripture. He would use a verse of Scripture to say, this is, I've already said this. And so how you read scripture on a daily basis, it's always fulfilled, it's alive, it's active. And in this story, we see that the biggest part when Jesus is being born, the authors are connecting Jesus to, back to David, back to Abraham, because he's coming as the promised king. In, the, in, the, in Matthew 2, we read, uh, let me just read this passage of scripture. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and, and have come to worship him. Now, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly found, uh, and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report it to me so I too may worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way. The, the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it had stopped over the place of the, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now read all that because this is really key. This is part of our Christmas story, the king's coming, right, and presenting these gifts. It's not a strain. This is, this is key to the story. Rulers from other places um, with communication to them outside of the, of the traditional biblical narrative. Coming to worship, bowing down to a child. It's strange that no one inside of Israel... Right? came to bow down before them, but outside of, the, of Israel, they came to worship Jesus and bow down and offer him gifts. Why? Don't miss this. It's because the, the heart of the Christmas story is that Jesus comes as Messiah, but he is coming as king. And I think without, without spending too much time, Herod, who is not a nice guy by any means, this is a threat. And so and we kind of know in, in other languages, he has every child under two years old killed within that region because, because any king could be a threat to his legitimate power. And he probably knows, right, that even if he's not the legitimate biblical king, 
if the people believe that he is the king, that's, that's enough to disturb, right, his authority. So he has to take care of it. And we know that Mary and Joseph go to, go to Egypt, and it's, uh, without going into it, it is, uh, it's, right, it's mimicking the picture of the, right, of the Old Testament. Jesus going to, to Egypt during these years to escape the wrath of Herod, who's, who's trying uh, to kill him. But we understand that Jesus is king, and it can't be contained. And if he's a king, he has authority. If Jesus is king, he has authority. That's what a king is. Now, in our day, we have to really work at what this means. Because for the, you know, for the last couple of centuries, we've lived in democracy where we have more of a say. And so when we think of a king, it, it doesn't have the same, right? It doesn't ring the same way. Like when I was in high school, two of my friends were elected king, homecoming king and queen. They had no power. They had nothing. We thought, could you at least get us like a half day off of school or maybe a day before finals? No, they couldn't do anything. Right? And that's kind of like even right now, our, our, the nobility kings and queens that we have in our world are almost more celebrity than they are actual, right? Than, than they have actual say. Although, if you have watched the series The Crown, it is quite an amazing series. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. Anyways, um, but, but the idea is that Jesus is king, and when we read that, we go, okay, that means he really does have authority. And now when you look at Jesus' life, he lives this out. Even though he has laid down his power, it doesn't mean that he does not have authority. And I think of this all the time with us. We think, well, what can I do? You would be surprised, right? And I think many of us, even, even within the places of our work and life, people have, have titles, but then other people have influence and authority. And Jesus, by no means, was not shy. He knew who he was from the very beginning. Think about the young boy at 12 years old being inside of all the PhD religious people asking them questions, right? Almost like, in there, who, who is this boy in the temple? When Jesus is teaching in Mark 1, 27, it says this. I just brought this one verse. The people were all amazed, and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He even gives order to impure, impure spirits, and they obey him. See, Jesus' life... He wasn't just born the king. His life was marked by being the king. His life was marked by spiritual authority. Whether it was he healing, whether it was standing up and calming the seas before his disciples, he had spiritual authority because that's who he was. So let me ask you this. What is your relationship to Jesus? Is Jesus your friend? Because he is a friend. But is that your main relationship to him? Is he like a spiritual advisor? Is he, right, is he the one that you don't disturb, but when things get bad, you go to him? Like, oh, no, I lost my job. Okay, we better get Jesus. He's got to get on this, right? Something going on with our families, sickness, illness, children. Is he your hero? Oh, I love him. I do that. Yeah. Jesus' rightful place in our lives is being a king. 
You see, the problem with if he's just a spiritual advisor or someone we admire or someone we love as a friend, these are all good things that he, I believe, needs to be in our life. But these are all, th these are all people we can take and leave their advice. Right? We, all, we all have our best friends, and there's times we go, right? <laughs> Last night at our home group, Patrick, <laughs> he came to me and you go, hey, he came to me. This is what's funny. He came to me and you're like, I just cut your finger. <laughs> he goes, hey, I cut my finger. What should I do? <laughs> and I'm like, this is advice you should take or leave, right? right? And I'm like, he's like, I'm going to put some hydrogen peroxide on it. I go, I don't think you should do that. It's like, no, it cleans. You know, so we're having this discussion, right? Two dumb guys having a discussion, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, all of our friends that actually are doctors would know what to do, right? And so, uh, but the point being is that we can take or leave advice from those people. Sometimes we do. If Jesus is king, he, every word he says, we don't need to just consider. We need to take to heart. And not just a heart, to say, how do I live this out? How do I shape my life to it? Not, okay, let me see how I fit that in. If Jesus is king, he has absolute, he has absolute authority. You know, one, one thinker, one notable thinker, when uh, um, decades and decades ago, when talking about the Christian faith, he said, the problem with, with Catholicism is it will probably go in the direction of authoritarianism because of its structure. He goes, but the problem with Protestants, which we would all probably put our bucket in, he says, is that everyone sooner or later will become their own church, right? I'll take this, I'll put that away. And if you think about the complaints that many of my friends have, and sometimes we even say, like, well, I like that church, but I don't like this. I'm not, we're leaving there. And you've seen the way churches do. It's because the voice of Jesus has been replaced, Right? Almost like having a family dinner potluck, like I'm going to eat certain things, but I'm going to reject those things. I'll do what I like. And so the message of Christmas, which is beautiful, is that Jesus is king and he has authority and he needs to have authority over every area of our life. So we don't just become a congregation of one. You know, the picture that is often said when I talk to, when I, I talk to friends about their, their faith is that many times in our faith, if you feel far away from God or even that, even that your relationship with God is, is not very active or it's not making sense. In the last few years with everything happening and, and, and so, many, uh, so many of us feeling that isolation, many times um, it's almost like we walk in this direction and we say, God, I, I'd like to do these things. Can you come with me over here? And then we say, how come God isn't active in my life? And God says, I love you. And I care about every area of your life. But God's like, but I'm over here. <laughs> you come follow me. Right? That was always Jesus' words to his disciples. Hey, Jesus, those guys are teaching this. He goes, never mind them. You follow me. And so if you find that in your life that there is this dichotomy, that where is, right? Like, God, I feel like I believe this, but my life is like this. Many times it's because we're over here asking God to come do our stuff. 
And it's the hardest thing in the world to stop what we're doing and reorientate our lives, even as people of faith, to say, God, I'm going to start doing what you want me to do. It almost always involves sacrifice. Almost always involves making amends. And the biblical word for this is actually the word repentance. Repentance doesn't mean to feel sorry. Like, oh, I'm going to repent. I'm really sorry. That's not what it means. It literally means to turn and walk in a, in, a, in a different direction. And that was Jesus' term. Turn and follow me. But if he is the king, then he's the one that we could listen to. And so it's the hardest inventory we have to take in our lives. It's an inventory of how many of the things that I do or don't do is based on, right, a congregation of one. Now, the last thing I want to say about this is this. No one ever also says this, is that the best times in your life faith-wise is almost always when you've dropped everything else and you're doing what God calls you to do. Because the word obedience is like, in our culture, is like this heavy word. It's like the word used to like, what happened? Well, I had a really hard upbringing. Right? My parents, my uncle, my grandparents, they just beat into me, obedience, don't talk. And it, it crushed me. But that's not the obedience that God says. God says, come, follow me. Why? What do you think? He goes, come and... If you follow me, if you listen and obey, there is life in it abundant. And I guarantee if you went back and did an inventory in your life of every moment that you had with the Father that you said, this was amazing. When you saw God working, almost every time you weren't doing your work agenda, you were on God's agenda. Every place where we obey God, all of a sudden we experience freedom. And somehow in our hearts, it feels like, oh, if I obey, it means, you know, it, it feels like oppression, but it's not. It's the adventure. It's God saying, I know the plans that I have for you. If you listen to me, I will get you there. Oh, is it an easy road? He goes, well, I'll tell you this. It's not easy, but my yoke is easy. It won't, I won't guilt trip you into it. You will feel peace and love, but make no doubt, it's sacrificing, it's dying to yourself. And I won't go into like all the, you know, and this is Jesus' expression, unless a seed dies in the ground, unless you die to yourself and you go my direction. But this is where our greatest lives are found. And this is where the church has been most effective, when people have sacrificed. We're going to put down our agenda and we're going to do God's agenda. Well, what's in it for you? Nothing. What'd you guys do? Yeah, we just, we just freely gave away things. This is where we find God working, is when we start listening to God, and then he tells us to do these things that seem crazy to the world, and they transform people's life. They, people don't have a bucket to put it in. But if Jesus is king, and we listen to his voice, um, we, that obedience becomes a way of life that is, full, is filled with joy, that's filled with closeness. 
that not only is Jesus king and in, in our time, is that Jesus also, he brings the promised kingdom. So a king has a kingdom. Now again, Herod thought that this was going to be a physical kingdom. Just like they thought the Messiah was going to be physical. But Jesus d- redefines everything. It's not the earthly kingdom that one would imagine. Jesus says, oh, it's the kingdom. He goes, but the kingdom, the kingdom is bigger. It's not just for the Jewish people in Israel. It's for all nations. Everybody gets invited. And all of us in this room are here because Jesus goes, the kingdom gets extended to everybody. Not only is it bigger, it's wider. It encompasses every area of our life. It's not just about believing the right things and doing the right rituals, but it becomes every, everything in our life can become an act of worship to deep connection with God. And also it's a kingdom without end. In fact, to think about this way, God's kingdom, it's just starting. We enter it now. Heaven is just, is the extension of being with, with God forever. I mean, imagine how short-sighted it would have been if Jesus would have set up his own earthly kingdom. If he would have come and fulfilled that. And it would have been that concrete. Like, well, you got to go to Israel. You got to do these things. It's got to be, right? These are all the laws that he had to set up. It would have been incredibly short-sighted. But from the very beginning of the Old Testament, all the way to the last verse of script of, of, um, of Revelations, um, there is an expression that God has. His expression is this. I will be their God and they will be my people. He speaks He speaks lovingly and longingly about this for the people of Israel. I would be your God. They wanted a king. He goes, I will be your king. No, we want a personal king. He's like, no, you don't want this. And that's when they got Saul and they got David, right? But this is God goes, I, you need to, we want to be a different nation. Then Jesus comes and fulfills it and says, I will be your king, but I will be your God and you will be my people. The end, the end of history as God explains it in Revelation. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will be their God and they will be his people. That's, that's God's desire for us, that we would be his people and he is the rightful king and we get to start his kingdom now. And so it doesn't matter what political system we're in. It doesn't matter what nationality we're in. Everything, it, 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 it supersedes all of that in the most beautiful ways that we have freedom. We have freedom to define what God wants to do outside of the way the world wants to define us and God's love. We don't have to, uh, we, so we, we're uh, in following the king Every place we're obedient, we bring the love of God. God comes in and transforms. Let me ask you again, where in your life do you feel that God is far away? The Christmas story reminds us that Jesus is king. And we experience God's work and his presence fully when we commit to Jesus, Jesus' rightful kingly authority. Every place we say, Jesus, I surrender. I'll let you speak into this area.
every place we that's where we will start to experience God. God doesn't pry anything out of our hands, but he willingly invites us to lay everything down, just like the kings from the east, the magi, who bow at this young child's feet and give their best as that picture to say, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The last thing when Jesus was on earth, after he had risen from the grave, he looked at his disciples right before he told them the great commission. And he kind of sneaks this line in. He goes, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Yeah. Over life and death. Jesus, after walking that, walking that path on earth, has all authority in heaven and earth. And in fact, sometimes I'd say, I used to say it when I was a youth pastor to my young people, even, even if you, like, like God has so much authority that even if you obey your parents and your parents are wrong, he can make it right. He has that kind of authority. Can I trust God with all of my finances to give generously because I need to have so much away for my retirement? He goes, you can trust me that I will take care of you. You don't have to take care of you. Can I trust you if I, if I, if I really commit my career to you, that this would happen or would, would this? No, you can, you can trust me. You can say no to those things. You can say, yes, give that all to me. Lay it down. Every place that we obey God and we lay those things down, Jesus, and we enter into God's kingdom, he, he will honor that. This Christmas, not only do we celebrate Jesus as the Messiah, that God is good in every promise he makes, but Jesus is king, and we can fully trust him with every area of your life. Everything he says is true, and we have to have no, there can, we don't have to have, none of our lives have to be truncated. Everything we give to him as a king, he has authority to do. And like the Magi, we can come and we can bow at him. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, thank you, Jesus, that you came. And Father, we just, I, would you forgive us for holding back so much? Like Isaiah, we're, we are a people of unclean lips. And uh, the things that come natural to us, sometimes, Father, we hold on tight to things we think will really make a difference. Father, we just, as best we can, surrender everything one by one to you. Thank you for this good news. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth as Messiah, but also as the King. And would you lovingly show us the areas of our individual lives, of our families, and even us as a church, that we can willingly and, and wonderfully give to you because uh, you are the rightful king. You are the king of kings and lord of lords. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.